Ah, uh, yes, you know what time it is. It's time for another episode of Sports Talk from the Crib. In today's episode, we're going to go over the NBA playing games and also discuss if Ty Lue was really trying to duck the Lakers. And Julio Jones, is he still on the block? We're going to give some possible trade scenarios regarding the Falcons wide receiver. Let's get it started. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Sports Talk from the Crib. I'm your favorite sports host, Tanner Christian. So like today, before I'm getting everything together, ready to record, I'm getting excited about the topics to discuss, This, you know, putting notes down and everything, and I go to move my little 4K TV, and it just slips out of my hand, and hits the edge of my bed, and I was like, oh no. And I busted my 4K TV. That's right. It was one of the cheaper 4K TVs. Not a lot of money. 40 inch, you know, Samsung was the size, you know. And I just had it leaning up there. I, I went to move it because I was moving all my stuff around, reorganizing. And uh, just kind of slipped a little bit. It went a little banging against my bed. And now it has half the picture gone on the screen. And I'm just so sad. Because it glass broke in two different spots. So there's a big, huge gas mark. And now my 4K TV is no more. So I'm really a little bummed before I get to record this episode. Let's try to laugh it off right now. As that is just, that just really has kind of broke my heart this morning. So, and I just can't freaking believe it. Because I still have my Sony Bravia I've had for 15 years. The LCD Sony Bravia 46 inch. And it's lasted me for 15 years with not a scratch on it. My other TV I had for 10 years. Never have a scratch on. I'm trying to get into the 4K world. And get caught up to speed. With all this crazy graphical content and whatnot. And. Kaboom. Gone. So. Welcome to that world. Hopefully I can get a new one soon. But anyway, I just had to get off of the chest. <laughs> anyway, that's is what happened to me this morning. So let's get into this first topic here. We're going to go over this game last night. The Pacers and the Hornets. I was praising this young Charlotte Hornet team. And they came out and just laid an egg. They got blown out by the Indiana Pacers. The final score was 144 to 117. Pacers in a huge blowout win. The Charlotte Hornets didn't play a lick of defense the whole entire game. These guys, this looked like it was shoot around out there. That's how bad they play defense. And I was giving a lot of credit. Credit even without Gordon Hayward, I'm like, you know what? The Hornets they got a chance. Karis LeVert was out for health protocols, but they did get Malcolm Brogdon back. And the way the Pacers have been kind of struggling lately, I was like, mm, maybe this young Hornets team may have a lot of fire. But no, they were blown out. This is how you know they're blown out. Hornets, the mellow ball only had 14 points. 
Terry Rozier, who I praise. I like his game. 16 points. He was an 0 of 9 from a 3. They couldn't shoot. They couldn't defend. They couldn't do anything. Meanwhile, I said, Sabonis, I need a big game from you. Hughes, play great on defense. That's one of his areas of his game where he seems to struggle a little bit is when he's on the floor, his defensive liability. But he played great defense. He finished with 14 points, 21 rebounds, and 9 assists. So he's cleaning up on the glass. He wasn't really hitting a shot. But he was getting other people involved and securing the boards. And they were up by 24 at halftime. It was over in the first quarter. That's how bad these Hornets team played. And Malcolm Brogdon, like I said, he returned from a hamstring injury. He brought in 16 points and 8 assists. Osei Brissett, who wasn't even on a team just a couple months ago, he had 23 points. He was a leading scorer. He got that extension with him. He played well. He's played well since joining the Indiana Pacers. 13.3 points, 7.1 rebounds in the final 16 games of the regular season. So he's been coming on. And McDermott, who I really like, he shoots the three-point well. The dude has 16 points of his 21 in the first quarter. And the thing that is so crazy about he scored all those points without taking a dribble. He didn't take not one dribble. Yes, this is a fact. If you watch the game, go watch the film of the first quarter. This man scored 16 didn't even take a dribble. Are you kidding me? Like, come on. That's how bad their defense was. It was all catch and shoot. Hit four threes. Catch and shoot. No dribbles. That was it. This is how bad the Hornets played. I'm really disappointed. Pacers also had eight players in double figures and points. And they out-rebounded them 54-36. So bonus and Osaper said, I think, combined for the Near the same amount of rebounds as the entire Hornets team combined. So they weren't doing anything. But I still like that Hornets team. Next year, they'll be better. They got more experience. They'll have Gordon Hayward back, of course. They'll get some other things. They got a, a young team. They're learning. But the Pacers, look out now. This Pacers team that I saw, even though the lack of defense by Charlotte, this Pacers team that I saw... Is how I thought they would be all year long. Great defense. Shooting the ball from the outside. You got Sabonis inside clearing out the paint. Getting his thing going. Like, I expected the Pacers to be a fourth or fifth seed going into the season in the East. But instead, it was New York and Atlanta. And the Pacers were outside looking in. They were the ninth seed. Now they have a chance. The Cavs are the eighth seed. The final spot. In the playoffs. And they'll have to face the Sixers. Whoever wins this game. Coming up. Because we're going to recap this game. The Wizards. And the Celtics played also. So let's recap the Wizards and Celtics. And we're going to revisit. And give our scenarios on that final game. Because you know I was praising the Wizards too. Trying to give Russell Westbrook some love. Saying hey. He's getting triple doubles. Brought the Wizards team back. It was almost a they were, I think they were like dead last at one point in the East this year. Bring them back. Playoff hopes. Going against the Celtics. And guess what happened? He let me down too. 
Russell Westbrook and the Washington Wizards lost to the Boston Celtics by a final of 118 to 100 because of a bad man. Jason Tatum, 50 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, 5 of 12 from 3, 14 of 32 overall from the field. He was 17 of 17 from the foul line. So a perfect score there. <laughs> he was just on fire. Nobody could stop him no matter what kind of defense the Washington Wizards were throwing at him. He was putting in buckets. Kemba Walker, who's been a disappointment because, you know, Jalen Brown is out. He will not play in the playoffs. He's out for the year. So you need somebody else to step up. That man was Kemba Walker. He dropped 29 points. That was the Kemba Walker we've been waiting for. That is the Kemba Walker we all know he can do. So that is the one we want. That is the best hope for these Boston Celtics going forward. But uh, guess what happened? They secured the seventh seed now with this win. Guess you have to play in the first round officially now. The Brooklyn Nets. So I don't know if it was a good thing for them to actually win this game. Because now they have to face the Brooklyn Nets. You know, this isn't college basketball. This isn't March Madness where... In one game, you can have a stellar game like this. Jason Tatum pretty much handling it to him by himself with 50 points. Can you do that in a seven-game series? Are you going to be able to do that against the Brooklyn Nets? With James Harden, who could drop 50. Kevin Durant, he can drop 50. Kyrie Irving, he can drop 50. If one of those other guys score, like a Kimball Walker did here with 29, if KD gets 29 and James Harden gets 50, you're, it's over. And Kyrie thrown in there? They're all healthy. I don't know if this is a good time to actually win. (laughs) But uh, the Wizards with the loss, they fall out. They're still the eighth seed. But they'll face the Pacers in another play-in game to figure out who's going to get the final spot in the playoffs and face the Sixers. So, you know, Russell Westbrook in this game, he struggled from the field. He was only 6 of 18. He was 8 of 8 from the foul line, too. So he was perfect like Jason Tatum from the free throw line. We had 20 points, 14 rebounds, 5 assists. The triple-double has come to an end. Bradley Beal with a bad hamstring still put up 22 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists, 10 of 25 overall from the field. So Bradley Beal gave his all. He was trying to play defense against Jason Tatum, but offense was just better. He was, he was guarding him. But it was just no match. Jason Tatum was just having his way. And Russell Westbrook's triple-double streak ends. And he left the arena, or the court, I should say, a little early. Like six minutes ago, he was walking in the locker room. So, going forward, I'm trying to give the guys some love. But we all know you, you can get the numbers you want. But if you don't get the wins, and you're packing L's instead... It means nothing. Because that is Russell Westbrook. These last three, four years. He just gets those stats. But he doesn't win the playoff series. I'm not trying to say he's a bad player. Sometimes I wish he would just slow down. Stop going 100 miles an hour all the time. And just slow down a little bit. <laughs> but um, he has a lot of heart. He has a lot of determination. He's a heck of a basketball player. But sometimes 
you gotta get your other guys. You gotta not seem like you're the ball hog. Like it just seems like other guys on his team were even trying to get the rebound. He fires it and takes it away from his own teammate. Like that's how bad it looks sometimes. So what's going forward to Celtics? have no shot against the Brooklyn Nets. If they do beat the Brooklyn Nets, it would probably be the biggest upset series of all time in NBA history if that were to happen. But I see Celtics maybe getting one game. Brooklyn could finish them in five. That's my guess right now. But uh, let's talk about this Wizards-Pacers matchup. Who's going to get the final spot? Because it's a lot easier... Even though the Sixers are a number one seed, uh, going against Joel Embiid, possible MVP, Ben Simmons, possible defensive player of the year, it's really maybe weird to say this, but I think I'd rather take my chances against them than against those Brooklyn Nets. So, Indiana Pacers right now, I would pick them over Washington. They get that final eighth seed. I expect it even to be a battle between them. I expect, I expect the Sixers to battle the Pacers to a six-game series. I still pick the Sixers, but I think the Pacers, because if they can beat the Washington Wizards, get Karis LeVert back, you got Malcolm Brogdon back, it gives you a lot more off offense to be able to score the ball and better defensively, having those guys back in the lineup. And, hey, you never know what could happen. That is a way better chance to advancing in the playoffs than going through Brooklyn. So I gave them a chance. I expect the Pacers to come out, beat Washington. Even though Russell Westbrook can give you that one game, it's a play-in game now. One-game series. Not the best team doesn't always win in a one-game series. In a seven-game series, you usually see the best team win. So you never know what could happen. But I expect the Pacers now to come out and get that final spot in the Eastern Conference playoffs, get the eighth seed, and go on to face the Philadelphia 76ers. Okay, we're going to stick with the basketball right now and get into what Ty Lue, the head coach of the Los Angeles Clippers, recently came out and said. A lot of People, fans, analysts were dogging the Clippers for arresting their players those final two games of the regular season and slipping and holding on to that four seed and getting the Mavs in the first round. Hey, you guys are trying to duck the Lakers. You don't want to face the Lakers in the next round. So you're not going to give them the first. You won't give them the second. And we're trying to avoid them. So Ty Lue came out and said, I don't give a damn what any of y'all say. We chose health over, you know, playing the game. They chose to get healthy instead. It didn't matter where the seating went. They didn't care about the seating. Kind of like summarizing what he said. He basically was saying, I don't give a damn what anybody thinks. We chose to get healthy. That is why we arrested our players the following two games of the season. Because the playoffs is what matters. Basically what he was saying. But we all know. We want. Can we get that this year? LA versus LA. Because we wanted it last year. We didn't get it. But the thing is last year. The Clippers and Mavs. 
had a crazy hardcore series. <laughs> and we're probably going to get another one from. Don't discount the Mavs. It may be a it may have been a bad idea to get the Mavs in the first round. Cuz Tim Hardaway Jr is playing good. You got Luka and Kristaps Porzingis are playing well. And Kristaps Porzingis could be a little more consistent on the game to game basis. This playoff time now, you're not going to get a rest day. Can't sit out when, you know, after playing on back to back. So this first round matchup is what we wanted. I love how late seeding played out in the West. The Lakers Warriors. You know, then we got we can possibly have Lakers Suns or Lakers and Jazz. Or no or you know, this scenarios. And it steps up for Western Conference Conference final game with the Lakers versus the Clippers. And that's one we all want. So was Ty Lue Wrong for sending his players? I don't think so. It's no big deal. I don't think he was trying to duck the Lakers. Even though he did coach LeBron in Cleveland and won that championship with him. But I would rather have the Lakers probably right now in the seven-game series while they're all still trying to get their you know the legs back because they've been in and out. LeBron James hasn't played very many games. He's missed what? Uh, he's played, what, four of the last 30 games? Played the last two of the regular season? Don't just count him. AD's been in and out of the lineup, too. So if, if the Lakers get their groove back because they're all healthy now and they survive this last playing game, hey, I expect them to be a little scary to come out of the West. It doesn't matter who they play because they could beat any team in the West in a seven-game series. So... Tyler trying to duck him, maybe a little bit, but I don't really think so. Because I think the mask going to give them a little run for their money anyways. Can Paul George step up? That's the question we should all be asking. Not trying to say they're going to avoid Lakers. Paul George has to play well. It can't just be Kawhi. It has to be Paul George too. So that's my answer to that. Resting players for the regular season, the last couple of games, who cares? They got the seeding. First round, we'll see what happens. If they See if they get out of it. Don't count out those maps. All right. Let's get into some football. We have a little NFL talk here in a minute. Let's get into Julio Jones' situation right now. There were some rumblings that the Falcons were taking phone calls for him during the draft, even before the draft. They've made it known. They are listening to offers in regards to wide receiver Julio Jones. Will this actually happen? What is the kind of trade compensation that their Elena would look for in order to actually deal him? So, and what teams is the best fit? And what teams should just make that offer and go for it for Julio Jones? Let's get into it. The thing that's interesting is this, is this cap situation. That may that really only kind of leaves a few teams in play. This is some kind of restructuring because he did sign a three-year, $66 million extension. And 64 of it was guaranteed back in 2019. So this coming year, in 2021, he has a $23 million cap hit. 2022, he has a $20 million cap hit. In 2023, 
He also has a 20 million cap hit. So it's going to be interesting to see what teams can possibly land. I think the Falcons, with drafting Kyle Pitts and pairing Julio with Calvin Ridley and Matt Ryan still there, I thought all along that was the route they were going, and Arthur Blank, the owner, wants to do. He wants to give this the guys one last shot, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, this pairing him with Calvin Ridley and drafting Kyle Pitts. Like, you think it's going to be a very pass-happy offense and one to keep your eye on going into the league year here. Like, this could be a very exciting offense if Julio Jones can stay healthy. That's been his problem last few years. His hamstrings, like a foot. Like, there's always seemed to be something with him. Like, last year, he only had 51 receptions for 771 yards and three touchdowns. He's 32 years old. So it may be wise for Atlanta to really look for trade scenarios with him, given his age and his cap hit now, and to go along with that injury history. It really kind of makes sense to see what team is going to push that, you know, trade, and you know, just to overwhelm them with their trade offer. I guess is to say, if they get overwhelmed, I think they pull the trigger. And they trade Julio Jones. If they're looking at somebody offering them like, oh, they're just offering a second round pick and a fifth round pick or something low ball like that, I don't see the Falcons doing it. So what who what team can offer them? What would you offer Julio Jones? Are you going to offer a first round pick? Do you let up a first round pick given his age and injury history lately? Julio Jones still has a lot left in the tank. He really does. If he can stay on the field. So if you offer a first and a third round pick, does that persuade Atlanta to pull the trigger and trade him? I think that is the offer that you're going to have to offer Atlanta in order for them to pull the trigger. And here's some teams that I think would be a good fit. The Indianapolis Colts, the Baltimore Ravens, the Las Vegas Raiders. With them, they're... They're, they don't have very much cap room, so that could be a little bit out of the question, but you never know what John Gruen's going to do. He'll do anything for somebody. Some, for some savvy veteran, I think he'll do anything. The San Francisco 49ers. So you have a number one to go along with their number one pick, Trey Lance. Problem is, they don't have that first-round picks. They may have to offer multiple. Um, the New England Patriots will also get thrown in there. But I think it really comes down to the best fits to me are Indianapolis Colts and the Baltimore Ravens. The Indianapolis Colts have an injury history at the wide receiver. T.Y. Hillen's been a little bit banged up. Michael Pittman. You know, they some of those wide receiver crew is a little bit banged up last year and in, in recent years. So bringing Julio in, he automatically becomes number one. He got T.Y. on the other side. He got all these other young receivers that you drafted. So that is a, and you got um, what's his name, Jonathan Taylor in the in the backfield. It could be a pretty good way to go, and they have the most cap space left in the league to make it happen. So I just really like the Indianapolis Colts. I think they should offer a first round pick for him. I think that'll be perfect if they offer like a first and a third, and Atlanta accepts that. Because then you get Carson Wentz. The Indianapolis Colts have a pretty tough damn schedule this year. 
and Carson Wentz bringing him in, you give him Julio? You got that great defense already? Jonathan Taylor, the rookie from last year, in the backfield? This could push you over the edge, maybe, in the AFC South. Jacksonville's rebuilding, drafted Trevor Lawrence. You got Houston with their problems. You got Tennessee Titans. They've lost a lot of people. Especially at the wide receiver position and on the defensive secondary one. They may not be the team that has been here the last couple years. This may be the AFC South. Just maybe for the Indianapolis Colts to take. And if they made a move like that, I think that propels them to the top of the division. Okay, now let's get into those Baltimore Ravens. Trace scenario with them. Same thing. You give Lamar Jackson Julio. You got Julio Jones wearing the bird, the Raven. You know, it goes from the Falcon to the Raven. Hey, I like it. Go along with first round pick Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota on the other side. You got Speedster Hollywood Brown. Then you got to worry about Lamar Jackson running all over the field. And that run game. Ooh, I like Baltimore to make a move for him for that. If he actually is on a trade table I, I would market with Baltimore come on man pull the trigger then we will really see Lamar Jackson grow as a quarterback that would make Lamar Jackson passing game you know he's a little inaccurate with the football didn't complete a whole lot of passes outside the numbers he was they were at the bottom of the league when it came to that and when he's the quarterback they are at the near the bottom of the league when it comes to getting, you know, passes outside the numbers. Everything is inside. It's all tight ends and running backs and and whatnot. So to get him the pair on the outside, the new rookie you got the tight end. You got Andrews. Like, come on, go for it, Baltimore. I love that scenario. They brought in Anquan Bolden near the end of his career. Everybody thought he didn't have the juice left, and he had a heck of a career in Baltimore. Julio Jones can have a heck of a career, you know, finish off his career in Baltimore, just like Anquan Bolden did, and still put up those numbers. So I like them to do it. Baltimore and Ravens and the Indianapolis Colts are my two best fits for Julio Jones if the Falcons decide to trade him. And I'm offering that first-round pick. Will Will you do that? I think that's what Atlanta has to get in order to get rid of them if they're going to give up on and start this kind of turnover in Atlanta. So I expect to happen if it's not this year. So, hey, you got to do it. I think you got to. There's other teams like the Raiders, I expect. You never know. Niners, you never know. Pats, like, I really don't see those as possible fits, but I can't see them pulling the trigger on who I think the Colts and Ravens are the most likely scenarios for them. And that's that. And that concludes the episode. Thank you for joining me here on Sports Talk from the Crib with your favorite sports host, Taryn Christian. Remember to check out the website at feelyheatentertainment.com. That's feelyheatent.com for the latest sports blog, your latest news. Your po- you got the podcast streaming on there. We also got the YouTube videos that you can watch on there as well. So And the merch store. We had a new merch drop last week, so go and check it out. Pretty cool stuff. Sent the newsletter out too, so hopefully all the subscribers are getting the good content. 
and things that are coming to the sports podcast. Appreciate the love. Be sure to check out our social media at on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at Feely Heat Entertainment. Remember, guys, we're available on all streaming platforms everywhere. Monday and Wednesday, new episodes will air. So keep on the lookout for that. I hope everybody enjoys and has a blessed rest of their day. Peace out. Catch you next time.